1: there was a time I had trouble talking about it. Congratulate them, we know they doubted. Somehow we made it up out of the pit, back against the wall. Never quit, traversing through each obstacle.
0: Show a non-believer what's possible. Let nothing they could do stand in between me and
1: my wildest dreams. Let's go. And that come at us, could come in between. Life gave me the worst, yet my side grew so green. We've been down in the dirt, been tossed in the trash, but I never stray from my path When we're gone,
2: we ain't looking back. Maybe we were all way too high. Maybe that's our fault. It's going to be a crazy time, but it's going to be a fun time. Life is boring if you don't take some chances and do
1: some things outside the box. Your destination for both some feel-good lifestyle advice and some fantasy football advice. All right, all right, all right. Welcome in, everyone. It is Tuesday, September 13th, the week one of the fantasy football season. In the bag, baby. There were highs, there were lows, and yes, there was everything in between. Breaking it down tonight with you, me, Seth Wilcock, joined by the dynamic duo, the husband and wife combo, yin and yang, Bonnie and Clyde, the one, the only, Jennifer and Nathan Polvo. What's up, guys?
0: Hey, hey, hey.
1: What's up, buddy? Stoked to be here. Do you like my shirt? I do. Those those listening to the audio podcast, um, Nate is wearing the official <laughs> Enjoy the In-Between shirt. We will have those up on the site here momentarily for you to purchase. So keep an eye out for that. Guys, how did you enjoy week one? It was a little bit of everything.
0: Dude, it was nuts. That was A crazy, crazy beginning to the season.
2: Well, we were, so we were supposed to go pick Jackson up at what, like two, our time, which is the end of the early slate, basically. But those two overtime games, we didn't leave until almost three. Like we couldn't peel ourselves away from the TV. It was just, it was was an incredible start to the season.
1: It absolutely was. And guys, tonight we're going to break everything down for our listeners, for our viewers on YouTube. Um, we're going to talk about the headlines of the week. We're going to take a pulse on the fantasy football landscape. How did week one shake out fantasy football? Everything we're going to talk about tonight, waiver wire, how we're going to beat it. We're going to talk about that, guys. Just looking at this like from a holistic point of view, there were some surprising outcomes. Our bets were not great, Nate. We kind of talked a little bit about betting earlier in the week. And they were not great in week one here. But what was your most surprising outcome here? Oh,
2: I think for me it was Green Bay just getting absolutely throttled by Minnesota. And especially what Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins were able to do against this defense. They've got one of the better secondaries in the league. And it certainly didn't look like it on Sunday. And for Aaron Rodgers to get shut down the way he was shut down. I mean, maybe it was the ayahuasca. I don't know. But that was just it. I didn't see that coming.
1: And Nate, we talked about it on Friday on our Friday show with Eric Romoff. We talked about how that Packers secondary with Jair Alexander, Eric Stokes, Russell Douglas, they really are the best trio of cornerbacks out there. And Justin Jefferson was too much to handle for them. Jen, what was your most surprising outcome of the week?
0: Oh, Broncos, Seahawks, hands down. Like it was messy. It was confusing play calling, especially at the end. I mean – the, the whole game, Russell Wilson's first play was to some guy named Andrew Beck, and yeah. we're like, who? And he didn't even catch it, but he threw to him two more times. So, I mean, he did regain trust, but like all of us just expected more from the Broncos.
1: Well, and I think – I mean, that game was so winnable for them at the end. I mean, the play calling and the coaching decisions by Nathaniel Hackett to go for that field goal, and they ran the, the time down like they did. It was absolute, you know, malarkey, honestly, at the end of the day. I was surprised to see that. I think there's a lot of good things to take away from it as a Bronco fan, as a fantasy football manager who rosters Broncos players. But Nathaniel Hackett has a lot to, to do when it comes to uh, his coaching decisions.
2: I He admitted today he made the wrong call on that fourth and five. He just looks so calm and chill
0: during the entire game. And I thought when Russ was running the clock down, I was like, okay, they're going to call timeout. They're going to get a game plan together. They're going to make a good decision. They're going to lob it to somebody somewhere and, and get that five yards that they needed. And then maybe kick a field goal. But it was just, it was, it was, Atrocious. It was atrocious. It was embarrassing. It was awful. I hated it.
1: Yeah, I'm sure Russell Wilson hated it even more having to go to Seattle and losing with the squad. He did. Albert here in the comments. Albert, thank you for tuning in. As always, our friend saying Saquon. Yeah, Saquon was a big surprise. We're going to talk about him, what that means for the landscape. For me, guys, it was the Bears and the 49ers. It was a monsoon, but this was one game I was fairly confident. The underdog had no chance of winning. And at the end of this, the Bears, they come out of week one as, one, as 1-0 and victors. And for the 49ers, not so much. So uh, we're going to talk about all this, though. We're going to talk about all this. And let's go ahead and break it down here in our first segment of the night, front and center. Sometimes taking that first step out the door is the hardest thing to do. Give it a chance, you'll
2: be begging for more. Save the spot just for you. We're all somewhere. It's sweet. I thought you'd come to the place. Just try to have some fun. Ain't got to worry you about something, not what it means. Come and give me another, cause the night is young. At least I so thought. This just in, the breaking news front and
0: center.
1: So, you know, this has been a really cold season to the point that we had not had a lot of big injuries. You know, we had a Tim Patrick ACL, but, you know, but other than that, it was a very chill season as far as injuries were concerned. But we have to get it out of the way. If a top 10, top 12 quarterback goes down in the in the week one, we have to talk about it right away. So let's get into it, guys. Dak Prescott, not only does he have a fractured thumb leaving this game, But he was also 14 for 29 for 143 and one interception while he was playing as well. So very disappointing to see this from Dak Prescott. Fractured thumb is going to leave him out anywhere between six to eight weeks. Jerry Jones is trying to say four weeks, but I don't know if I buy that. Jen, what is your headline for what happened to Dak Prescott on Sunday night against the Buccaneers?
0: Yeah, one thumb down. I mean, it's just... uh an unfortunate situation and something that I heard, cause I've been wondering about the big padded helmets that they've been wearing in OTAs and mini camps. That's to protect the the quarterback's fingers, which I had no idea. I, I mean, it's probably one of multiple reasons, but that is one of the reasons. And it's just, it's unfortunate. And like you said, initial diagnosis was five, six, eight weeks. And now Jerry Jones is out here saying four weeks, so I guess we'll see on that. But, I mean, if the Cowboys can win two of those four games, I think that they're still going to be okay rather than looking at it as an 0-4 situation.
1: Yeah, and, you know, it's tough because even if Dak was out there, guys, this is a very disappointing Cowboys Mm -hmm. team, and you could tell they felt the loss of Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup Mm -hmm. not being up there, James Washington – I mean, Noah Brown had 11 fantasy points. CeeDee Lamb was pretty much invisible this entire game. Dalton Schultz, you know, an okay outing. And I I just don't know what's going on there. I've always had a lot of respect for Kellen Moore and his play calling. But at the end of the day, Ezekiel Elliott averaged over five yards per carry in this game. And they went away from it pretty early on when the game was still very within reach, even after the half. So, Nate, are, are you excited to play any Cowboys moving forward, especially with the loss of Dak Prescott?
2: Well, I wasn't excited before watching how this game was playing out when he was in the game. They did not look like a good, solid, put-together team. Now losing Dak Prescott, absolutely not. Like, there's there's no value to be had. Even Dalton Schultz takes a hit, a hit over these next four games. I don't know that anybody's going to be fantasy viable. Like, Noah Brown getting whatever it was, 10-11 fantasy points, I mean, that's a, obviously a fluke. But if that's where the points are going to go, they're going to get spread out, you can't trust this offense.
1: Yeah, we don't even know what the quarterback situation is gonna be. Dak was the only quarterback on the roster for a while. Cooper Rush might be coming back. You know, there, there's rumors that maybe Jimmy G uh, makes his way to Dallas. We're not sure what it is. I don't think we should spend too much time on it, though. Like basically, if you if you if you got C D Lamb this offseason, I apologize. I mean, I will say I don't think any of us on this podcast were really advocating to go after CeeDee Lamb that hard compared to these other wide receivers. So um, I apologize that you ended up with him, but I mean, don't Schultz, you're, you're still probably sending him out no matter the quarterback situation, You probably got to send Lamb out regardless. And Zeke, you probably got to send him out regardless too, Nate.
2: I mean, you, based on where you drafted them in draft capital, probably. And you're probably not going to find someone who's going to replace even the minimal amount of points they're going to score at this point on waivers. You might, but it's going to be hard.
1: It'll be luck.
2: It'll be hundred percent luck.
1: Well, guys, let's go ahead and move forward here to another headline of week one. And it was that the top five wide receivers delivered here in week one. My headline, Eenie, Neenie, Miney, no RBs. Because a lot of the round one RBs outside Jonathan Taylor, they really disappointed guys. Justin Jefferson, he proved to be all worth a top-five pick that you spent on him in fantasy football drafts. He was the wide receiver one this week. Cooper Cupp, no surprise the wide receiver two. Devontae Adams, a lot of people, we had questions. What would be the target share coming into Las Vegas? No problem for him. Wide receiver three on the week. Jamar Chase, wide receiver four. And Stephon Diggs, wide receiver six. So all these guys that you paid up for early on in drafts, they paid off. And Nate, you and Jen and I and Scott, all offseason, we talked about it. The fantasy football landscape is changing. And sometimes, especially now, it seems like these wide receivers early in your draft are really valuable to take. And, you know, it's just kind of how it is anymore. But I'm going to be continuing to value these wide receiver studs more than RVs at this point.
2: Well, you're starting to see teams run so much 11 personnel, which when you've got three wide receivers on the field, that tells you that a team's going to spread the ball out. Justin Jefferson is now playing with Cooper Cup's former offensive coordinator. So I think we all knew what Justin Jefferson could turn into this season. Now we're seeing it actually happening. These guys are all in good situations. You can't, there's no reason to knock or fade
1: any of them. Yeah, I agree with you there, Nate. We do have a question from Albert I want to get to in the chat here. Better replacement for Dak, Tua, Winston, or Wentz? So that's a very interesting one here. Um, I do like Jameis Winston a lot as a season-long outlook. However, he does have the Buccaneers this week, so I might be a little hesitant on him. Um, the Miami Dolphins, though, they're playing the Ravens. I'm not really afraid of that matchup too much, so I wouldn't mind Tua. Um, Carson Wentz, I mean, here we are. Carson Wentz comes off a 4-TD game, so you do have to kind of consider him a little bit here as well. Um, he's playing against the Lions, so a pretty decent matchup. Jen, who who would you recommend that Albert here in the chat takes uh, for a DAC replacement?
0: Yeah, I'm going to barf in my mouth a little bit because it's Wentz. And if you've ever heard me talk about Wentz, if you've ever read anything that I've said about Wentz, like he just doesn't have it. He proved us wrong. He proved me wrong this last week. And like you said, with the matchup against the Lions, like that just seems like a kind, kind of a shoo-in. I mean, Tua's looked great. Jameis Winston looked great. I mean, no knock on either one of those guys, but I'm probably going to take – I would probably start Wentz.
1: And I think the answer here for you, Albert, is like you need to be streaming quarterbacks at this point until Dak comes back. And even if maybe when Dak comes back, play the matchup. And this week it probably is Carson Wentz against the Lions. I don't mind sending out Tua there against the Ravens, but I'm probably with Jen on this one, as gross as it sounds. And, Jen, I've been as hard of a critic on Carson Wentz as you've the last couple of years. Nay, are you in agreement with us, or would you pivot somewhere else? So, first of all, I know
2: I've infected your brain now because you just said agreeance. It's not a real word. It's a joke word the Jed and I made up and say. I love it. Second, I'm actually – I'm surprised by this because I didn't come into this conversation thinking I would agree, but I'm looking at Carson Wentz's matchups over the next three, four, five weeks. He's got Detroit, Philly, Dallas, Tennessee, and Chicago. The only one of those matchups I'm really worried about is Philly. Maybe. Wentz is not a long-term solution, but through week six, like I don't want him in week seven against Green Bay, in Green Bay. But yeah, when Dak's out, Wentz is probably the better answer here just based on schedule.
0: And the Commanders, I think, have the best strength of schedule this season tied with somebody else I don't remember who, maybe the Colts I don't remember. But when you look at it from that perspective as well, I mean –
1: yeah. Yeah, if you do need a replacement for Dak Prescott too, someone to consider Nate's boy Matt Ryan. He's got the Jaguars this week, and the Jaguars, they gave up those four touchdowns to Carson Wentz last week. So uh, keep that in mind. We know the Colts haven't won in Jacksonville in a while, but uh, something to keep in mind there. We appreciate the question from you, Albert. Let's go ahead and move forward here. Final headline, and Nate, we talked about this last week, and, and we were a little hesitant, but... James Robinson comes out. He returns for 11 rushes for 66 yards and one touchdown. He also had one reception and a touchdown. And Nate, we, I will say, we did say, and I actually did set it, he was an anytime touchdown scorer for us mm-hmm. at some pretty decent odds. Um, yes. Travis, Travis Etienne, though, did not have a great week one performance. Four for 47 on the ground. That's pretty efficient running. Two for 18. But he did have two should have been TDs, one on Trevor Lawrence for missing him wide open in the end zone. And the other one, uh, he just did not catch. So, Nate, what is your headline here for the Jacksonville Jaguars running back room?
2: I decided to get a little cheeky here. Uh, J-Rob, Etienne's Achilles heel. Because as long as James Robinson is around and productive, it's going to affect Travis Etienne. Sure, we didn't think that he was going to come back and play super well out the gate, but he did. that's a problem for Travis Etienne on top of dropping the touchdown pass because a coach like Doug Peterson, he doesn't forget that.
1: Yeah, and, and, you know, it it was so crazy to see him come back so efficient off the Achilles because we talked about it. Cam Akers looked pretty awful coming back off the Achilles. Donta Foreman for a couple years looked pretty bad until last season when he got upright. But, you know, when you really think about it, James Robinson is one of those ground-and-pound running backs other than Cam Akers who likes to kind of dance and scat around a little bit. So maybe that's playing into this uh, comeback form. I'm not a doctor. I'm not sure. But uh, something to keep in mind here, Jen, who would you rather have rest of season, James Robinson or Travis Etienne here with the receiving upside?
0: Based on last week's performance, we're going J-Rob. I mean, but also you have to look at the chemistry between – Uh, Trevor Lawrence, Anna Tien. uh, It's hard to say rest of season as of this point, but based on last game, James Robinson, for sure.
1: Nate, are you in agreement with that? Or is it kind of a 50-50 thing you don't mind having either or at this point?
2: No, I agree. I'm more on J-Rob. I was more on J-Rob three weeks ago, four weeks ago, when it sounded like he was going to be ready to go. I just think he's the better running back and he's that, like you said, he's more of that like pound it style, like brutal bruising runner. And I kind of think the dude's a little bit of a freak in nature. I mean, what we saw out of him last week, no one expected. And I, I love it. And I think he's As long as he stays healthy, he's going to be, he might be an RB one tier guy this season. Okay.
1: Okay. Wow. Okay. okay. That is bold. Wow. That's a little hot. That's a little hot. <laughs> yeah. oh, okay, but we're talking about a team
2: that ideally should run the ball a little bit more often, and Doug Peterson will. And if J-Rob's a guy who's proving to be successful in the run game, he could get 100 yards a game. He could get more goal line work. He could get one, two touchdowns here and there. Like, we could build him a guy who has seven, eight touchdowns at the end of the season.
1: To me, I, I see them both as, like, top 28 plays you know like borderline rb2s every week i think that's how they'll come in but there is upside especially if one of them gets hurt there is some more upside for the other there completely um guys let's go ahead and jump into a little more of the weeds though of things of week one there's a lot to get to so let's go ahead and get into it in temperature check
0: Temperature check. That's really spicy. Holy s!
1: And just a reminder for those for the first time joining us on YouTube, please like and subscribe this video if you guys like this kind of content. We have fantasy football, fantasy NASCAR, and fantasy golf advice coming for you guys as well. Some feel-good lifestyle advice all year long. So I uh, appreciate everyone tuning in tonight live. But let's get into the Bears. The Bears beat the 49ers 19-10 to in an absolute absolute monsoon. A lot of people are going to say there can't be a lot taken away from this game. And I, I do understand that, but I will say, when you look at this, the conditions were bad. There was water on the field, the entire game. I'm not disputing that, but you can at least take something away from the first two and a half quarters of this game. It got really bad late third, early fourth quarter The the, you can see it on the telecast, but I think still we can take something away from these first couple quarters of this game. Let's start with David Montgomery, 17 for 26. Very inefficient day for him on the ground, 3 for 24 in the passing game. Khalil Herbert, a guy Nate's been talking up a lot this offseason, he came in 9 for 45 and 1. He also added one reception for negative 2 yards. So, Nate, how are you feeling on our temperature check scale about David Montgomery? Keep in mind, we're going to do this a lot like a steak. Rare is being you're very excited medium being you know you're in the middle and then well well done you're out on complete you missed a chance to say in between
2: (laughs) i do i normally do not
1: you're right on that
2: (laughs) i you never miss a chance okay so here's where i'm at well done david montgomery's cooked and it's simple this is a run heavy offense david Montgomery's just not going to get enough volume khalil herbert was far more efficient than david montgomery five yards per carry versus 1.7 yards per carry there's that's a massive difference that's a massive difference in efficiency for an offense that's going to be on the ground all season justin fields is the rb1 khalil herbert by the end of the season is the rb2 in this offense
1: i have no interest in david
2: montgomery at this point
1: i think you're being a little i think you're overreacting maybe a little nate and maybe that's just my opinion i'm still kind of in the medium realm here I just don't think Montgomery had the holes. I didn't. I didn't see every snap of the bear game. It's kind of impossible to do that when there's so many games coming on. But I did see enough to see that when Khalil Herbert had a couple very big holes that I did not see Montgomery get. So I I'm still holding on to Montgomery. I am worried about him, but I'm still holding on to him. Um, Jen, where are you at here with with this backfield in Chicago?
0: Kind of the same. A medium. Um, he was definitely overshadowed by Khalil Herbert. He still has an opportunity to reprove himself. Um, but I'm not, I, I, I'm having a hard time discounting anybody from the 49ers or the bears based on the weather. And yes, there's been a whole bunch of talk of this is a four months, you know, variable for weather across the United States. So you've got to, man up and be able to play in in all sorts of different weather i get that but this was also great i'm watching the first couple of raindrops come down i was like okay well let's see what this does and then by the end we've got bears players slip and sliding into the end zone so like and it's the first game of the season i cannot say he's well done i cannot be rare i can't be anywhere but kind of that middle medium area right now until until we see more
1: okay and do you feel the same on the pass catchers here jen as well darnell mooney one for eight um justin fields like i'll just be honest he couldn't do a whole lot in this game and and sure it 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 was raining but there are going to be wet conditions in the nfl he looked awful like he looked absolutely awful his one touchdown came on a very broken play to dante pettis are you still riding with with darnell mooney here jen
0: I mean, again, I'm in the medium range because the same can be said for Trey Lance. Like, he didn't look great, obviously. He didn't look like an NFL quarterback. And I think it got in their heads right away when the rain started. And then it was torrential. And neither quarterback could really make any true headway. I mean, it was just kind of an unfortunate situation out of the gates for both teams. So yeah, I mean, Mooney's going to be a medium for me until until we see what happens next week. Or this me, week, I I know, I
1: know you're not giving up on Darnell Mooney yet.
2: No, no, I'm still a medium on him. But I am a little bit worried because of what I think this offense might actually turn out to be versus what I thought it was going to be. <clears throat> but that aside, I still think there's value in Moody. You weren't paying up crazy for him anyway. I mean, he was going as like a back-end wide receiver, too, in a lot of drafts. I'm fine with it. I, Yeah, I, uh, we'll
1: see. I mean, the weather definitely plays a factor here for sure. It does, but it was definitely, you know, a poor performance from Justin Fields. And, guys, this Bears offensive line stinks. I've said it all offseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, their coaching staff looked like a first-time coaching staff coming into this game. I am a little concerned. I'm even more concerned with Cole Komet. And obviously this is on brand. Like I'm just going to go out and say this is a completely on brand take. I've been saying it for two years now, but I don't think Cole Komet's that good of a player. And sure, you can tell me that the donut he put up here in week One, zero fantasy points is directly related to the weather. And I'll believe it, whatever you want to say, but also let's keep in mind who he was out targeted here in this game by Montgomery, Equinamia, St. Brown, Byron Pringle, Darnell Mooney, and Ryan Griffin, another tight end. So, like, those are, like, in this game, he was the sixth passing option. And I don't know if that's just because they were trying to keep him in line a little more and have an extra blocker um, with a weak offensive line in bad conditions against a good 49ers pass rush. But I'm I'm terrified if I have Cole Kermatt. I'm looking for one of these guys on the waiver, like Tyler Higbee, uh, you know, Albert O, one one of those type of guys.
2: So, I... I kind of, I, I'm kind of starting to agree with you more, Seth, and it pains me. But I don't know that what we saw on Sunday, at the very least, was him getting out-targeted by guys like Economius St. Brown. So that's probably a problem. And Ryan Griffin. So that probably is a problem. Now, we'll see what happens against Green Bay because he's going to present some matchup problems in Green Bay where they're not going to be able to layer a corner on him all of the time. And your point to him being in line blocking a little bit more often the Chicago bears are my lowest rated offensive line in my rankings. They're awful. And they, they signed Alex Leatherwood. Like that is, that is yeah. desperate. This, this is a bad team. You're going to get points where you can out of some of these guys. I think a lot of us coming into the season thought that where you're going to get points is be David Montgomery, Justin Fields, Darnell Mooney, and Cole Komet. Now it's looking like Cole Komet's probably tied in 20 again. So unless you're in a super deep, two tight end league, uh, I don't know that there's going to be a lot of value for him going forward. I hope I'm wrong, but I
1: don't think I'm going to be wrong. And Nate, this That's- is this is saying something, because he two, two weeks ago, he's your all-in selection.
2: Do you know how many shares of Colt <laughs> Command I have right now? A lot. If I go to Dynasty Planet, I'm going to go to Dynasty Planet and look it up here in a minute, and I'll let you guys know. But it's, uh, it's a lot. He might be my most rostered tight end, honestly.
0: Well, and I think that the... The one of the headlines we can use for the entire weekend, one word that came out of my mouth a lot was who across all games. So it's not fair to say that these other guys are taking shares away from Cole Komet when that happened in every single game this weekend. It was like starting off with the Broncos again, you know, and and. Um, Andrew Beck is a guy who's been with the Broncos since like 2019. He just hasn't played at all, but that was across the board. So you can't discount him entirely just yet. As far as I'm concerned, um, we've got new quarterbacks. We've got new, everybody's on a different team this year, it seems. So I think everybody's just trying to feel it out. And maybe some of these guys like Cole Komet, who we know what he can do when he has the ball, Let's see what these other guys can do, you know? Okay. Well,
2: I think what concerns me most is, is this seems like a game where Kemet would have been the bailout for Fields, and he wasn't. Right. I think that's where I'm concerned. I have him in six leagues. He is my fifth most rostered tight end. I have a tight end problem, guys.
0: <laughs> they literally needed a bailout. Like the your yeah. terminology right there. Everybody needed a bailout.
1: Well, Guys, let's go ahead and move forward to some other teams that did not play in a rainstorm, and that's the Falcons here. They, in Falcon fashion, gave up a huge comeback to the Saints here in the fourth quarter. They lose this one 27-26. to But we did see some positives from the Falcons, and it starts with Cordell Patterson. A lot of people faded Patterson coming into the year, but he goes 22 for 120 and 1. adds three receptions as well. Let's keep in mind, too, uh, the, the backup running back, Damian Williams, that he did go down pretty early in this one. So it was really Cordell Patterson, and that's it. Where are you guys on the temperature check scale for Patterson?
0: I mean, I'm medium well on him. Like you said, he was favored more because of injury. Um, he's 31 years old. So honestly, I'm just waiting for him to break a hip. Like really, it's 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 probably going to happen. He will get injured. Um with Marcus Mariota in there after basically spending 10 years on the bench. I mean, I, I like to see it. I like to see the numbers, but I, I just feel like as the season goes on, we're going to watch him trend downwards.
1: Yeah. So Nate, are, are you with, are you with your wife on this? Are you taking this as maybe an opportunity so high on Cordell Patterson? I definitely would.
2: I'm still medium because I think that there's value there for at least like the next like four, five, six weeks. But again, he fell apart at the end of last season. <clears throat> is this sustainable? It's definitely not sustainable. When Damian Williams comes back, when they get more comfortable having Tyler Algier active, this is going to change. He's not going to see as many opportunities. But for now, I like it.
1: He'll, probably get
2: he'll get some more volume next week and the week after, probably.
1: What about everyone's favorite tight end, Kyle Pitts, guys? Seven targets, two receptions, and 19 yards for him. Uh... Very, you know, very mediocre outing here. It is only week one, so we can't overreact. First time playing with Marcus Mariota in a real game. But they do have the Rams next week, who's held Dawson Knox in check. So, are you concerned with, with you know, people who paid up for Kyle Pitts this season? No. No.
0: No, I mean, Pitts is, Pitts is the man. I mean... It, He didn't have the looks again this week, like so many others. And there were a lot of who's, but like, I'm not worried about him. He's going to bounce back.
2: There's nothing to be worried about. And the the Dawson Knox part, Dawson Knox is actually a tight end. Kyle Pitts is a wide receiver. Like, let's be honest here. He profiles, he plays as a wide receiver. He takes the majority of his snaps wider in the slot. That's just a fact. I'm not worried about Kyle Pitts. It's going to come. The guy's a generational talent. And I don't say that about anybody, but Kyle Pitts is a freak of nature. He'll be fine. I'm not worried.
1: Okay, you guys are saying that, you know, hit the brakes a little bit. Don't get too concerned. Don't overreact to Kyle Pitts here. I mean, let's be honest, most tight ends outside Travis Kelsey did not show up here in week one. Mm -hmm. Um, What about Drake London? Five for 74 on seven targets for the rookie. He looked pretty good, and he's a guy I wasn't super high on coming into the season. Nate, you and I kind of wanted to shy away from him going into week one. He has been battling an injury since preseason, but uh, he looked pretty good here in week one. I was only shying away because
2: of the injury. He looked right on Sunday. I really like Drake London. I liked him coming into the season. I'm excited. I think he's going to get consistent volume in this offense. I think that we're going to see that like seven to eight to nine targets a game. And I think that London's a good enough receiver that he'll turn five to six to seven of those into a catch and he'll start turning them into touchdowns at a certain point. He's that kind of wide receiver and he fits Mariota so well.
1: Yeah. And you can't, you, you can't, you can't, you know, you can't sell him at this point. You kind of have to just wait and cause you know, he could just keep stacking these games one after one after the other Uh, Jen, are you also in on, on Drake London as a possible starter moving forward in lineups?
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's, he's going to bounce back. He's young. He's, you know, got a minor injury. It's, you know, he's, he's pits dependent. So he's obviously going to be taking away um, shares of the ball when he's a hundred percent and when he's fully in there. But I mean, again, I just, it, until we see a game two, I cannot just be all in or all out on, on anyone. And I'm kind of here. And the that's, a, of the road.
2: that's a fair point because week one was, it was so strange. It was weird. We'll, man. Dude, Seth's got a guy that I had to look up because <laughs> I completely missed him on the stat line. We didn't see oh, a lot of this KP. Game.
1: Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well guys, let's go ahead and move forward to another team. Same game. Alvin Kamara. He was kind of the storyline for the saints here. Didn't show up. Nine for thirty-nine on the ground. Four targets. Three for seventeen through the air. I might be a little concerned if I if I'm rostering Alva Kamara. They did a lot of weird stuff in this game. We saw a lot of Taysom Hill. We saw a lot of Mark Ingram out of the backfield, and they have some dogs at wide receiver now. Michael Thomas, two touchdowns. He might be back. Not to mention Chris Olave and Jarvis looked really good as well. So. Nate, is there room for Kamara in this offense? And if so, where are you at on our, uh, on our scale here in temperature check?
2: So I'm at a medium well because I am kind of worried. This, is a, this offense is weird. It reminds me of when Taysom Hill was the starting quarterback and Alvin Kamara was essentially dead in fantasy. I felt like we would be getting into that kind of realm again where this new regime just isn't going to use him the way that Sean Payton used him. And there is cause for concern because Taysom Hill's getting more involved. Like you said, Michael Thomas had two touchdown catches. I don't know that they need him as much as they did in the past. And he's getting a little bit older. He's been dinged up. I would probably right now, honestly, in Dynasty, I'm selling him at his current value.
0: Well, in Dynasty, but I mean, mm-hmm. don't count him out. In
2: Redraft, for... I don't know that the consistent – I mean, we'll see. Again, it was only week one. sell
1: him now. Like you definitely can't set, sell him now while he's at his lowest. Um, yeah. um Jen a lot of are, 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 how do you feel about this do you think the rib injury um that, that we were hearing about maybe played a factor in this
0: I think so I think that they were a little bit easier on him just because they had that other talent that they could utilize you know with Jameis Winston back and like Nate said Taysom Hill and we'll talk about him here in a little bit as well um and Michael Thomas <laughs> like it looked like he hadn't missed a single game so I mean I feel like they leaned more on other players because Kamara had that concern with his ribs. So it's like, let's rest this guy. Let's not push it. Let's not take him out for an entire season. Let's get through this game and see where we're at.
1: My best advice for anyone concerned about Kamara's rib injury or any other injuries here is go over to Twitter, Sports MD. Uh, MD analyst. That is uh, Depot Krona. He does a lot of stuff for us over here over at Fantasy, uh, Fantasy Pros as well. He's super great, super informed. I think realistically he has some of the best injury advice out there. Hoping to get him on a future show here to talk a little more injuries. Um, but follow him. He'll keep you up to date with Kamara and all the other injury news. Speaking of injuries guys, T. Higgins leaves this game with concussion. I don't think there's too much to take away other than it sucks if you played him. It sucks if you drafted him. Uh, but is it Tyler Boyd next man up here?
2: If T Higgins misses next week, yeah, probably. I uh, Hayden Hurst will probably see a little bit more volume too, possibly,
1: but it's probably
2: Boyd.
0: Especially after that Hayden Hurst catch this
1: last week. He, he's had six plus targets in the in the games T Higgins missed last year, so keep an eye on Tyler Boyd. Mm-hmm. I think you know he, he mm-hmm. could be a flex this week. He could be a low end wide receiver two for you. It's going to be more of Jamar Chase, though. I mean, Jamar's going to sure. and you get fed. He got fed. I mean, Joe Mixon got fed. Joe Mixon yes. had a ton of targets, absolute ton of – I think it was nine targets possibly on the day for Mixon. Um, so, you know, keep throwing Mixon out there. Keep throwing your guy Jamar Chase out there. And if you need Tyler Boyd, you can. Joe Burrow will be back. This is a good Steelers defense. Oh, yeah. Very good Steelers defense. So, don't take too much away from this one in Cincinnati. Agreed. A.J. Brown, talk about a new face with a new team here. He comes out and crushes it here. uh, Over 150 yards for him, over 10 targets for him. Jen, how are you feeling about A.J. Brown in Philadelphia? Him and Jalen Hurts looked electric together.
0: Dude, I'm fired up after Mm. watching A.J. Brown. I mean, if I'm going to give a rare to a player, he's my rare. I mean, he just... He showed up, he was making catches. It was amazing to see because you don't know with a new team, you just never know what that chemistry is going to be, um, what the coaching is going to be like for that particular player. And he just, it was, it was awesome to watch. It was awesome. Oh, he,
2: he lit it up. Yeah, He at points made me forget how bad of a quarterback is. Jalen Hurts is throwing the ball. <laughs> My only concern is that Hurts only completed 56% of his passes on Sunday, <clears throat> but they won. They put up 38 points and it looks like those 56% of passes that he's completing are all to AJ Brown. So there were I, I loved what drops. I saw.
1: There were a couple bad sure. drops. Devonta Smith had a bad drop. I saw a couple other bad drops from some other Philly role players. So, Yeah, but
2: everybody – every quarterback has those bad drops. Yeah. That's not an excuse for 56% completion percentage. But the point is I really loved what I saw from A.J. Brown, and he made Hurts look like a better quarterback. Mm -hmm. Only
1: thing I'll say, keep in mind, guys, last season, two of the three games that A.J. Brown went over 25 fantasy points. The following week he followed it up with single-digit points. So this has kind of been a little bit of a boomer bust player. Not quite on the level of like a CeeDee Lamb or Amari Cooper inconsistency, but he is a little bit up-down. So don't be surprised if he goes out this week and doesn't have as great of a game in Week 2. But, you know, be ready for this game, uh, for these type of games from A.J. Brown, I think, in this offense. Quez Watkins, Devonta Smith, they were held without catches in this one. I'm not expecting that to happen again. I think both of them will bounce back as well. But A.J. Brown, he did look great. It was great and great fun to see, as Jen set. Here, let's talk about Saquon Barkley. I mean, talk about someone who was fun to watch. He looks back. This is the best I've seen him since his rookie year. 83% of snaps for Saquon Barkley here. Brian Dayball made him go, used him in their offense to make him go. Six for seven through the air for Saquon Barkley. How are you guys feeling about him after week one? Is he back?
0: I think he's back, man. I mean... He just looked so good. He didn't look like a guy who's nursing any sort of injury, coming off of an injury. I mean, he just, he saquon it. Like he just (laughs) saquon it. That's what he did.
2: He 100% did. He looked like the Saquon Barkley of 2019. Mm -hmm. He looked okay last year, but you could tell he, he was slow out of the gate. And that's typical of people not named Adrian Peterson coming back from an ACL. So a lot of people thought, well, this guy's a freak. He's going to be just like Adrian Peterson. We learned there's only one Adrian Peterson, folks. People don't recover from injury the way that guy did during his career. Mm-hmm. Saquon's back, though. He looked confident. He looked confident making cuts. He looked confident moving on the turf. He was he was okay planting his legs. He wasn't worried. He was running with confidence, and that's the difference between Saquon last season
1: and Saquon this season. He has it. He was Saquoning, And he has that top-end speed back, which Mm -hmm. that Uh, is what made him such an electrifying player at Penn State, whether he was kick returning, whether he was running the ball. He had so many breakaway runs at Penn State, and I I think he's going to do it here for the Giants, guys. They are 1-0 for the first time. I was lucky enough that was one of my bets to hit. I took the the Giants on the money line actually, so that one nice. paid back a little bit of my deficit that I got myself in in Week One gambling. Uh, but I love Saquon. Rest the season, guys. Where do you rank him? I think he might be a top five guy the rest of the way. I agree. If,
2: if he he put up thirty two points against an, an not the best defense
1: in the league, but Tennessee isn't one of the worst defenses in the league. Number one, number one seed the AFC last year. They they, they are, yeah. I mean, I think the Titans are going to regress. I, I've said that all all mm-hmm. offseason. Um, we saw it here in week one, but Brian Dable, man, give him credit. That team looks yes. like they rallied a, around him. He threw his nutsack on the table he and did. went for two points. So I love that. I love what he did yeah. there. Um, he said, I'm, I'm gonna win it all or I'm gonna go home, go home trying. So, uh, thank you, Brian Dable, for bringing a little bit of life back, not only in Saquon but in that entire Giants organization and fan base. Let's round it out here, guys, with Aaron Rodgers. Are you concerned with this? This another year. Aaron Rodgers starts out slow. He did the same thing last year, had a stud of a week one performance. I'm not too concerned. Christian Watson, my guy, he dropped that incredible bomb on the first play of the game. That was a bummer. I think the Vikings' defense is a little better than we're giving credit for, and Alan Lazard wasn't out there too. So I'm not panicking. Jen, how do you feel on Raji?
0: I mean, I'm just... I think I'm overall annoyed with him because he's such a baby. I mean, historically, he's a baby. He has bad relationships with everybody in his life. Um, I think that it's immature of him, like you said, with that first drop from Christian Watson and then the Romeo dubs. Um, Route. Yeah, I mean... And then he didn't target him again until like the fourth quarter. And it's like, dude, get over yourself. You don't have Devontae Adams, like get over it, figure it out, work together with these guys. And I'm just kind of over him at this moment, which sucks because I think I've got like five or six shares of him, but like it's disappointing. He needs to grow up. He needs to remember he's part of the NFL and that people make mistakes and just because you make one mistake doesn't mean you shouldn't be trusted ever 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 again so just disappointed in him that's all
2: Seth that dude took way too much ayahuasca he looks like truth be like it's a weird thing but he looks tired
1: and he looks worn in that press I don't think he does though like he looks he looks like he looks like an old man did you see him take that that hit from the dairy smith and he literally got up and like got in his face like that was yeah. Awful. I think Rodgers. No, no, no.
2: I, I, I'm saying in the press conference, just like his face, like he looked old and tired and worn.
1: God, he I, and Brady
2: both just look yeah tired and
0: hungry, a little hungry.
2: I'm with Jed on this one because they need a snack. They do need a snack. Maybe they just need a Snickers. They're just hangry. I knew
0: that's, you were going to say that. Question.
1: If you have Aaron Rodgers as you your only quarterback in a single QB league, are you looking to move off him, whether that's trying to find an option off the waiver wire or trying to trade for an option? Because I am not. I would probably just stick with him. I'll yeah, stick I've, with
0: him. Yeah, I'm going to stick with him too.
1: But I'm looking, I'm
2: combing the waiver wires and I'm using that extra like spot on my bench to pick up one of the other quarterbacks available before they're gone. Just okay. in case.
0: I'm annoyed, but he's he's sticking around. I'm just annoyed.
2: He's probably going to have a good season. He's Aaron Rodgers. He's here, Aaron Rodgers, right? I think he I'm just annoyed with the shtick.
1: Yeah. Let's go ahead yep. and talk about coming through the waiver wire on our final segment of the evening in the scope. The far as my in the scope. All right, guys. In the scope, is a long time segment here on the show of the In Between Fantasy Football podcast. Not only are we going to try to give you a little bit of waiver wire help. If you have questions, please drop them in the chat, and we will help you. Um, but we're also going to try and beat the waivers for next week. Last week, my in the scope target did not work out so well. As Isaiah Likely, he got the targets, he had the drops, um, didn't drop it, didn't you know? Caught every single pass in the preseason, and then goes out over four on his targets. Nate, do you remember who your in-the-scope target was last week? Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake. Yeah, it didn't work out so well for you either, but uh, we, we are back uh, here.
2: Yeah, yeah we, you're right.
1: We, let's talk about the top waivers, guys, though, first before we jump into it. Curtis Samuel, I think he's going to be an absolute add. He had over 10 targets for the Washington Commanders. I think you should be scooping him up. Jeff Wilson Jr., Elijah Mitchell, is going to be out for a couple months. He was placed on IR today. Jeff Wilson Jr., likely the guy. Uh, and then Khalil Herbert, we talked about him a little bit earlier. He's still out there in a lot of leagues. Jalen Warren for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He is a player we should consider. Uh Apparently the, the Najee Harris injury was not too, too frightening, but he did look like he was in a lot of pain. We know he had the Liz Frank injury coming into the season. So a couple running backs keep an eye on. We've been talking about sexy Rex Burkhead all offseason as well. Nate, you just highlighted him in your column today too. He's going to be a really nice Flex play if you need an RB in like a double flex league.
2: Yeah, I think my favorite on this list is probably Rex Burkhead because we already know that he's going to be seeing volume. And oddly, he's the RB1 in this offense until they're comfortable with Damian Pierce, which could be week five, week six. I think their buys week seven. So maybe we see it week eight. I don't know.
1: Last one on that list, too, is Devin Duvernay. I'm not really sure if this is sustainable quite yet, um, but he did catch all his targets and he was efficient with it. Uh, He was the most efficient pass catcher for the Ravens, but he only did have uh, less than five targets. So keep that in mind. Those are some guys though. you should be putting in some fab in tonight or waiver priority. But let's go ahead and talk in the scope, people that you don't have to put really probably any fab on this week or very low fab that could be the top waiver ads of next week. Jen, go ahead and kick this off, please.
0: So mine is Taysom Hill. Obviously, he is a name we're all familiar with. We have watched him throughout his career with the Saints. Um, but surprisingly, he's only rostered in 3.9% of ESPN leagues. And I, like, I was shocked. I was shocked when I looked at Sleeper. He's only rostered in 12% of leagues. And I'm like, but it's Taysom Hill. I think we're all a little soured on Taysom Hill with him stepping in as a quarterback a couple of games in 2020 and 2021 and it was like well this isn't really working for us but honestly if you think about what this guy can do he's really like one of the sneakiest best players in the NFL he's an effective running back he's um big enough to be a tight end which he's now been designated he's fast enough to be a wide receiver I I just he plays quarterback He plays quarterback. Like he is playing all positions. And as we all know, the Saints signed him on a four-year 40 million dollar contract. So I think we're going to see him in a in a more stable offense being the player who he wants to be and who he is. So um I just think that he's going to show up this season. I think he's going to make people proud. Um, he had, I mean, it wasn't a big show up last, last week with 81 yards rushing. Um, he had one touchdown over a two-yard catch. So it wasn't like the last week was glamorous in any way. But I think that he is worth, a buck or two <laughs> if you've got it for next week, although they're going up against Tampa Bay. But, I mean, just even over the next couple of weeks,
2: he's worth well, it. He reminds me of, like, the the old-time utility players in baseball. He does yeah. literally everything on offense. Yep. You could probably plug him in at right guard and he played at least passable.
0: Yep.
1: I, th- I think the biggest thing that we need to see out of Taysom Hill this week, which we hope we see, and and that's the thing with these in-the-scope candidates. They haven't truly broken out. We haven't seen the volume yet, but maybe they could get it. He was efficient with what they gave him. He needs more targets, though. That's what yes, we're dude. hoping for this week. Um, but, Jen, I like the call there because tight end, it's a pretty desolate position outside of mm-hmm. Travis Kelsey right now. George Kittle's hurt. Darren Waller didn't show up last week. Um, Dawson Knox didn't show up last week. Pretty much unless you have Pat Fryermuth or Travis Kelsey, you weren't really happy with your tight end. So if you're in that position, consider Taysom Hill this week on the cheap, is what Jen's saying. By next week, he could be a top waiver at Nate, who do you have as your in-the-scope target for week two? So I initially had Rex Burkhead.
2: Then I just kind of wiped that out. I'm going with Tyrian Davis-Price. And I know, I know – they had other guys in line. You talked about Jeff Wilson, but Elijah Mitchell, I mean, he could be out as many as 6 weeks. 6 to 8 weeks. He's on IR. We're going to see what happens, but we know what Kyle Shanahan does with running backs. It's how we ended up with Elijah Mitchell last season and then starting this season. Was it Raheem Mostert got hurt? He was down for an extended period of time, ended up being the entire season, and Mitchell proved his worth. Davis Price is rostered in 2.9% of ESPN leagues. He was a third-round pick. There's no reason to believe that he won't get a shot. And if he can play well in Week 2 and Week 3, who's to say that he doesn't get an increased share of work, more opportunities throughout the season in this offense?
1: Nate, I really like this call. I think it's a really sneaky one because obviously everyone's going to the waivers or grabbing Jeff Wilson because Davis Price was inactive here in week one, but that's a pretty common thing that we see from a lot of rookie running backs. We saw it out of Algier. We've seen it in the past from other RBs too. Um, So, you know, I'm not too worried about it. And he doesn't play special teams as much as Mason, their other back that they had um, on the active roster last week. So he will be activated. And if he shows up and shows out, Nothing stopping Kyle Shanahan from rolling with him over, uh, over Jeff Wilson Jr. Who Jeff's a nice player, but he's he's Jeff Wilson Jr. He's not nothing crazy. So right. uh, I really like this call. I think he's someone that you can put in very little fab or maybe even no fab and walk away with possibly a really diamond in the rough here. Yep. Who you got for us, Seth? Yeah, so I'm going to round us out here on the show. Um, Before I do, I wanted to give a quick shout-out to all the IBT fam in the comments tonight. I saw Andrew. I saw our guy Slade, Brad, Albert. If you're new to the In Between Fantasy Football podcast, please like and subscribe. Uh, We got fantasy football content for you, fantasy golf. We just had our fantasy NASCAR show on earlier today. Um, And it's the easiest way to help us continue to grow over here. Um, But my In The Scope candidate is going to be none other than Kyle Phillips. Slot receiver for the Tennessee Titans. And I'll be honest, I'm not into the Titans really at all this season, but there's going to be value here in the Music City. And I think it starts here with the rookies. Traylon Burks had a pretty nice showing. He went three for uh, three for 45 in his debut. And Kyle Phillips, though, he led the team in all receiving categories, and we heard a lot about him during training camp. Nine targets, six receptions, 66 yards out of the slot for him. And I think this Titans offense, I think this Titans team in general is not going to be as good. So I think there's going to be a lot of garbage time opportunities for Kyle Phillips here. Uh, Week two, they're facing the Bills. We know how the Bills did with Cooper Cup out of the slot here in week one. Obviously different type of players, but still. uh, So I like him there. Week three, they get the Raiders. Who the Raiders, they were destroyed by Keenan Allen earlier out of the slot before he had to leave the game early too. So, you know, I don't think he's going to be a super high upside guy but he kind of reminds me of a Cole Beasley from a couple of years ago. He could probably get you about 10 PPR points every week. If you're in a pinch, you can start him. Um, and maybe he has a blow up week eventually, but I like Kyle Phillips guys.
2: You know, when you're going deep in these situations, these are the kind of guys you're looking for, because like you said, I mean, the schedule dictates, he could get some significant usage. And if he pops even close to what he did in week one, it's, I mean, it's worth having him on the back end of your bench.
0: Yeah. A thousand percent. I mean, He's worth the little to know that you're going to spend on him. Yeah. So you might as well grab him if you've got a vacancy and you've got a need that needs to be filled. I mean, yeah, for sure. Go for it.
1: Awesome, guys. I love it. I, I love the discussion tonight. There was so much in week one that happened. And I feel like we did a really good job tonight of breaking it down. So I appreciate Jen and Nate being here. I appreciate everyone listening. I appreciate our audio producer in the back end, Kyle, for holding it down back there for us. Nate, you and I, my friend, we will be back on Friday. We have a really great lineup of guests coming on, so please do not miss that show. Um, Until then, guys, keep it in between, and we will see you back here very soon. Your destination for both some feel-good lifestyle advice and some fancy football advice.